How you doing, everybody? What's good? Great to, I would say, see you, but it's wonderful that you are back. Welcome to another episode of Woke. It's your boy Aaron here back with another episode for you. Now, before we get started with the show, I would like to give another shout out to my sponsor at Chalet Clothing. Um, that's C-H-A-L-E Clothing. Got a new line of sweatsuits, track suits, hoodies, uh, t-shirts, um, shorts, you know, that warmer weather coming. Definitely got to get you some shorts and swimming trunks. And if you want 15% off, they are having a 15% off sale right now until March 24th. Or you can hit me up for my personal promo code to get a discount off anything either on Instagram or underscore relentless 15. So, welcome, my guest. Um, someone who is once again a fan favorite of the show, my brother Tamazu. Um, people do value his opinion, even though I had some people hit me up and disagree with him. They still said they appreciate what he has to say. <laughs> um, uh, also, back to the show is one of my boys, um, a mentor of mine, and someone that I personally think is a good example of a man, my boy uh, Aaron. He's back. Uh, if you remember last time we did a sports episode, uh, it was a great time. It was a great time. Uh, definitely going to have another just sports episode with him and uh, my boy and his uh, fraternity brother, Derek Robinson from Unfiltered Brothers. Got to have him too bad. But what's up, fellas? What's going on? How you doing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm great. In fact, I'm excellent. Um, so tonight, white women. I'm just playing. We're not, <laughs> not going to do that. Um, uh, tonight, we're going to talk about, about sports and politics, how they've been intertwined. Um a lot more recently, how we have seen it like in the past and just the overall aspect and overall conversation. So let's get started. So my first question to both y'all tonight is, do you think you believe black athletes should be involved in politics? Publicly, I add that publicly. You said, do we think black athletes should be involved in politics publicly? Yeah, like, you know, voicing concerns, frustrations, you know, a lot of the stuff that we saw, like the 20, like from 2020 till now. And of course, you know, feel free to just jump in, ask a question. You don't um, got to like hesitate. Just go ahead and jump in. I think it's one of those things where <clears throat> anybody should be able to exercise their rights. Um, and I think that if you're an athlete on a grand stage like the NFL, the NBA, MLB, internationally playing different sports, I think that that's a great way for you to use your voice as a platform. Uh, sorry, your voice and your platform to get certain things pushed through. Um, you know, you look at examples like LeBron James, you look at examples like Muhammad Ali, you look at examples um, uh, her name is forgetting me, um, well, she's not a black athlete anyway, but the, um, women's soccer player who was advocating for higher pay, um, um you know, Megan Rapino. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think that these are all examples of how athletes are utilizing their platforms, their power, their systems to really push through certain narratives to give other folks, um, a voice who don't have one, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
Makes sense. Makes sense. You go ahead, Miles. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think that everyone is um, entitled to their own opinion um, or their own political view. Uh, and I think that this, but that, I do believe that this conversation is a little bit more heavier, knowing that athletes um, do carry a lot of influence. Uh, and so these av- these athletes can speak uh, to like like you know my brother Ann said different topics and can get you know the people behind it rallying behind that topic. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that um, yes, they should of course. I mean it's your freedom and it's my freedom to choose to listen or not. Um, but I, I do think it also comes with a lot of responsibility mm. though. Absolutely. And I, and just to echo that as well, I mean, I think that it's important who the athlete is because I wouldn't just want any random Joe Schmo, you know, just kind of pitching their ideas and their beliefs. I think that, you know, you want to have the right individual who mm-hmm. has a strong voice, um, who can truly utilize their resources to try and push through certain narratives and certain agendas to make sure that, you know, people back home or, and I I say back home or, you know, wherever they come from, their communities um, are good. You know, Mm -hmm. I would hate for, and I can't give any examples right now off the top of my head, it's 8 p.m. So y'all got to excuse me. And I've had one too many drinks already. Um, (laughs) So y'all got to excuse me. Um, But I, I think that it does matter who that athlete is uh, because society takes different people, certain people, um, they take what they say into consideration. Sometimes, you know, you get the right, you, 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 you get the wrong person and it can blow up in your face and it can kind of be catastrophic. So I think, Mm -hmm. I think there's a two part there and that athletes have the right to publicly, um, say what they want and try and push through certain agendas. But we also want to be careful with who that person is and what they're saying, if that makes sense. I think that makes perfect sense. Um, I'm definitely going to agree with both of you all that everyone has the right to, you know, say something, to um, advocate for something. You have that right as an American citizen. Um, And I propose this question just because, you know, the emphasis, not emphasis, the um, famous quote, you know, shut up and dribble. And I think that that was something that made a lot of people upset and angry as if athletes are only seen as just athletes when we forget that these are regular people who still live here too and that they still have the rights of this country, even though that they are in the public eye. But I definitely agree um, with the other part Aaron mentioned, like we got to be careful who, excuse me, who basically gets the microphone, you know, because metaphorically, when you give someone a microphone um, in this in this context, you you're echoing now what they're saying. And in some instances, you're seen as you're supporting what they're saying, like whether you're um, having an athlete um, talk on Fox News, NBC, CNN, uh, The Shade Room, um, Bleacher Report, House of Highlights uh, on ESPN, talking to Stephen A., or skipping Shannon, whatever the case may be. So I, I definitely agree with everything you all said. Uh, anything you all want to add like to the first question? Yeah, and I also think that um, it's, it's not necessarily 
they were actually like giving them the microphone per se, mm -hmm. but it's almost like the microphone is with the position. Okay. You know, they're, they're famous now, you see what I'm saying, for playing mm -hmm. basketball. And so it's one of them things where now they have a mic to speak on different things. Right. You see what I'm saying? Outside of basketball. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Um, and so, yes, it's kind of like, so uh, I do, like I said, yes, everybody has the right to speak on anything. You see what I'm saying? No matter who you are. But I think but when you have that kind of status, mm -hmm. um, we have to look at the responsibility of it. You see what right. I'm saying? Um, right. Because it's one of the things where uh, we live in a society that is heavily influenced, right, mm -hmm. by social media influencers, by athletes, rappers. You see what I'm saying? These are the new kind of like role models. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's not the old guy, the, you know what I'm saying, at the gas station, you know, no more. And not mm -hmm. big, big pops on the corner. No, 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 no. It's LeBron James, it's uh, John Morant, it's, you know, oh, God. NBA young boy. You see what I'm saying? It's these are the people, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying, that a lot of people look up to. Right. Um, so, yeah. And that, I think that that's a perfect segue from what you both said, because my second question is actually, how do we as a collective distinguish who should be in that forefront, who should do that? So it's like, that, that is the question, but it's like, you know, what characteristics and things should come with that person? I think it's important to, that's hard to, to answer um, because I think that whenever we look towards an individual to be the voice, there are certain qualities and traits that you look for in that specific individual. You want that person to be intellectual. Uh, you want that person to be able to enunciate. You want that person to be able to... Um, code switch for lack of better terms, right? So like you want to be, and, and also you want to make sure not only they're intellectual, but they're knowledgeable about what's happening around them. And they're not blinded by fame and, you know, everything else. They can clearly see what's happening in the country and in the world today. Um, so I, so I, I think that as we're looking for who is the right individual, and it goes back to what I said before, Tamaja said it as well. We want to make sure who got the microphone, right? Because that's just something that's so powerful. And one thing that I think kind of grinds my gears about the media, Aaron, you and I talked about this one time before, mm -hmm. you know, the media is going to tell their side of the story regardless. You know what I'm saying? So if it's one of those things where depending on what network you're watching, that they're going to find whoever. I mean, if it's not somebody who's 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 speaking on the big stage, who's doing whatever, you know what I'm saying? They're going to find somebody who can push their narrative even further. Um, and that's not to say that that person, that is intentional, but it's, it's, it's very, well, maybe it is intentional. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it, it's, we, we got to be careful. We, we got to be very careful um, because I wouldn't trust as much as I like, you know, Kanye West's music. He will never speak for me. <laughs> he will never speak for me. You know what I'm saying? So, and he's not an athlete, but he's a celebrity. Right. Um, and I just couldn't think of any other examples, but There's yeah. Example. Yeah. No, and I understand. I want to piggyback off of that too, because like you had my gears thinking, because for those of you who listened to my show before, for those who don't either know or don't remember, my undergrad degree is in communication studies in which we have to look into what the media is. And oftentimes, every media source is biased. 
um, every media source that we have, like CNN, NBC, um, Fox News, they all speak from a specific viewpoint. Like somebody like Fox News is going to look at, you know, the like LeBron James speaking up against um, like, for example, the recent uh, situation with Jerry Jones, where the picture was seen to him at a rally, not a rally, um, the picture was seen to him um, back in the day when schools where he was from was being integrated. I think he's from Arkansas. Um, yeah, Arkansas. Right. yeah. And they're more than likely going to see him, Stephen A. and um, Shannon Sharp speaking out against that and be like, oh, so someone can't just be innocent. Someone can't just be there, wrong place, wrong time. And then you got like the vice versa, which would be um, like CNN, who would basically be like defending him and condemning Jerry Jones. I personally tell everybody, if you want an objective view of what's going on in the United States, look at media sources outside the United States. Um, even though some of them don't like the country as a whole, they're going to give you an objective point of view. Um, anything, um, the main thing I, um, I would personally recommend is look at the British Broadcasting Channel um, because they talk often about what's going on in the Western world anyway. Um, so that's just a personal little anecdote I want to drop right there. But before I continue, I'm going to pass it to, to, to Maja. Hey, I was just about to say, yeah, BBC, that's the go-to. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I think that to answer the, the question, yeah, we can definitely drum up some, I guess, characteristics, create this outline of the type of person we want to advocate and speak out uh, from that arena. Um, but it's it's difficult um, because it's one of those things where, um, like I say, it just comes with the territory. Mm -hmm. um they may not be you know advocating for anything they just want they maybe they just want to play basketball you see what i'm saying but then the pressure right. what do you think about this what do you think about that you know what i'm saying um and they may just well in my opinion you know i think george floyd was wrong and then all of a sudden oh my god you know they, they coming <laughs> at him yep. you know what i'm saying no for real you're right he hates black people it's just their where they are, uh, they are in a very powerful seat when it comes to influence. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard for me to give them like, hey, look, you can't say this. You can't do this. You see what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. like I said, they're athletes. They, <laughs> they, didn't get, <laughs> they didn't get in this business to be advocates. You know, <laughs> they got in the business to play ball, make a living, you know, whatsoever. You know what I'm saying? Um, but for the ones that do advocate, then um yeah we can we can have that conversation you know what i'm saying but mm -hmm. um but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm right there with tamaja um and you brought up a great point brother it, it's we often look towards these people to be our saving grace but at the end of the day we got to ask the question do you really want to speak up or speak on behalf of an entire black community or entire community or whatever you might identify as, it, it's it, it's it, it becomes tough because just like Tamaja said, those young men and women are carrying an unsurmountable load on their shoulders of having to figure out how am I going to win this next game to win this championship. 
oh, I got a press conference. So I also got to make sure I'm saying the right things. Dang, this has happened behind the scenes. Everybody know about the John Morant situation. I know they're going to ask me questions about that. Mm-hmm. So it's all these things that are going through your head as an athlete. You really don't have time to just think what's happening in the world around me. I'm just trying to make sure that I still got my job the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that going going back to the initial question, do I think every single athlete should, or every single black athlete should use their stature and power? No, but I think that if we identify the right ones within, with oh no, it was getting good. Thomas, are you still there? Please tell me. Brothers like there. LeBron James, brothers like uh, hey, what's his name, Aaron Foster. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, Malcolm Jenkins. Like these are all individuals who are willing to contribute to the cause. And because they're willing to contribute to the cause, they're willing to put their entire lives, their livelihoods on the line as a result of it. And I can promise you, if you take the NBA, NFL, and you were to subset it based off of those individuals who identify as being black or African-American or persons of color, a very small percentage is going to stand up with those brothers, right? Side by side with them and fight the same fight. No, I agree. You also cut out for a second. I don't know if that was me or if that was you. <laughs> Might have been me, brother. Might have been me. I got some weather going on out here outside, so you got to excuse me. Oh, I understand. So if I actually like re-explain what you said, that's because why. Um, but to you're good, you're good. Okay, just making sure. But to also answer the question, I think that there is a criteria um, because you have to display I don't want to even say the right because people are going to get offended by that and think you mean white, but you have to display. I don't even want to say display because people, you know what? The hell with it. You have to put forth someone who can have the conversation and actually be knowledgeable. My biggest thing is also to have someone be accountable because I say that to say this, and it's not because I am one. It's not because I fully support them. I have yet to see a public black athlete speak up on things that are more Republican views. I haven't. Um, can can y'all hear me? Hello? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Did y'all hear what I said or I got to repeat myself? Can you repeat it for me? Because I think you might have been cutting out. Yeah, I think I was cutting out too. But um, I, I said... This is not because I support it. This is not because I agree with it. I'm just stating the fact. I have not seen a black athlete in the past, since like 2012 to now, speak out publicly and get the attention positively, quote unquote, who would be technically Republican. Like you can tell by the way that a lot of these, a lot of black athletes speak out if they're more so liberal or Democrat. Like LeBron James, um, one person I can't stand, Stephen Jackson, um, and I, I can't stand Stephen Jackson uh, for you know nickname Stat. He uh, he was on that Miles at the Palace team with the Indiana Pacers. I personally can't stand him because I think he's just a hood nigga who think he intellectual because he switched to Islam. But uh, I'm gonna cut you off. Is that uh, Lloyd's friend or yeah? Uh, Okay, I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, childhood friend. They were childhood friends, and it's no disrespect to him in that manner. It's just the fact that people gravitate towards him and his views just because he's black, he's from the hood, and he converted. That don't mean that you're the best to speak on this topic. I know black people who converted 
to Islam or from Islam who aren't the best to speak on this topic, who aren't the best to speak on a lot of stuff. But it's like a lot of people, like Tamali said, they see that that figure and they think, oh, well, they got to have something. They got to say something. They got to be right. They got to have a point when that's not actually true. And it's like for me, I think that, you know, to back up Aaron's point, you should have good communication skills. You should be able to be intellectual, to be knowledgeable. And my biggest thing is you actually need to research these things. I, I tell people sometimes when having conversations, you can go look on the White House website and you go look at the executive orders. It's all right there because that majority of it is public knowledge. There is some stuff that they're obviously not going to show us just because that's how the government work. However, you can go and actually seek that knowledge. If you're not willing to seek that knowledge and understand and either back up your point or willing to be wrong, then I think you need more work to do and you should not, quote unquote, speak for me. And I think another thing we have to take into consideration here is, damn, I lost my whole train of thought. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting too. Oh my God. It was, it was right there. I've had a few concussions in my lifetime, guys. So I tend to forget oh, things. Man, um, what was I about to say? Oh, here we go. And I think it's also important that when, when we look to these figures, we look to these individuals to be the voice of reason, I think it goes beyond just having them talk about it. I need you to put some action to it as well um, and really driving home some really strong initiatives within your individual communities, whether that's building building up communities or if that's giving back, you utilizing philanthropy. Like I think that these are all things that can promote change. But if you're just having a conversation, I mean, we having a conversation right now, but that don't mean we're changing society. Right. I, I think that if you are... A true supporter and you are utilizing your stature, your power, your voice, put your finances to work too. get your resources, get your team and really make some things shake. Because until we stop just talking and applying things like um, and uh, stop talking and applying things, we're going to be in the same cycle of just things happening, us talking about it forgetting about it for a little bit, it happens again and we jump right back into the same cycle. So I think it's really important that whoever these individuals are, if you want to be an effective um, or if you just want to be effective in general, utilize your resources and really apply what you're saying and put it to work. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree to that. Um, and I think that Okay, it, it's so funny because I know we're talking about Ashley, but one example that um, that I can bring up is the whole thing when Cardi B interviewed mm -hmm. Joe Joe Biden. You yep. know what I'm saying? Yeah. The it, it's one of the things like really, you know, mm -hmm. and what qualified her? You see, what I'm saying to be in that position to interview to put the potential next president of the United States. You see what I'm saying? Uh, and it was her fame. Yep. You know, she's a rapper. She's famous. She has influence. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't that she was knowledgeable because, you know, she started saying stuff that, you know, like we want universal health care and lower taxes. And uh, anyone that's in the, you know, political field can tell you, you can't have the best of both worlds. Yep. Um, and so it's just one of the things where a little common sense stuff uh, that she didn't really get. And, and I'm not, um, what was it to be? We're like, you know, trying to uh, 
persecute her for not having this knowledge because mm-hmm. I didn't expect her to have this knowledge. But she it was one of the things. But why would she have been right? She wasn't qualified. You see, what I'm saying, um, and I think a lot of I think media um, had a play, had a part to play in that. Um, that they would, you know, allow such things. I mean, that his administration would allow such things to happen in that way. You know what I'm saying? That was that was just terrible all the way around. So um oh, I agree. So yeah, it, you know, it's it's crazy. Um, but once again, should we but I think okay, should we expect um our influencers to know the I guess the basic you know, minimum to have the basic outline of an advocate, um, especially if you're going to speak out on certain topics pertaining to the community as a whole. Um, because I think your words are more than just beyond them. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, it speaks to a community. No, I, you know, I, you're sharing the community. Yeah, you know. No, I, you got more to add? No, I was just, you know, leaving it there. Like, should we, though? Because I think like I said, it's all about responsibility. Yeah. Because they are in a greater place and so they have greater responsibility. And should we kind of like drill that in them? Like, hey, you got a responsibility, you got a responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Because I think that uh do we do enough um as a community um to help our athletes um with these situations, with these different things, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I agree because it makes me think every athlete has to have media training. I personally would throw political training into that too, just because it's like, you know, I'm not going to make you a Democrat, I'm not going to make you a Republican, but I'm going to make you knowledgeable. I'm going to help train you to be prepared for these questions because, like you said, Tamaza, you get the mic when you already are here. You got drafted. Oh, so when the next black man gets lynched, oh, well, what do you think? And it, it it's tough sometimes, too, because we're also talking about the athletes who's like, hey, it's sad, but I'm here to play ball. And then we have the Martin Luther Kyrie Irvins of the world who want to go on long soliloquies and not double check his sources and always be overly vocal sometimes if I even trying to have the conversation, in my opinion. But it it can be tough. But however, I think that just because it's tough doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Yeah, I, I think it's wise to have um, athletes, while they're going through these media classes, to also be prepped to answer political questions. Because I think just in, you know, the climate of the country that we, you know, live in today, we hear about societal, political, economical things that impact day-to-day life, even for those athletes. Um, I mean, you look at John Morant his situation. I could, and like, I, I don't really follow basketball as much as I did back in the day, but I know kind of like the synopsis of it, individual gets some fame, some get some fame, a little bit of success. They get a weapon. They got, they think they got power and they have uh, all this ability in the world to do what they want. But at the end of the day, you're still representing the organization. Um, and so he has to deal with those ramifications, but not just him, his teammates also have to deal with that. His teammates and his entire organization has to deal with it. But at the same time, I don't think it's fair to have those athletes address the situation just because of something, just because something happened. Like I might not 
feel like I might be the second best player on the team to job. I, I still don't want to answer that question or talk about his situation. I'd much rather focus on basketball, focus on the game. Mm. So, but at the same time, it's important for professional athletes or athletes in general to know how to navigate those scenarios. Cause mm. I don't want to put the pressure on every single athlete that gets put at a press conference. That's not fair. Um, because at the end of the day, those those players should be answering those questions. That should be the organization that's answering those questions. Like every single organization has a PR team. The PR yeah. team should be answering those questions. The coach should be answering those questions. Um, whereas if it doesn't directly impact the team, but you want to exercise your voice, exercise your rights to voice something that's happening within the community, then by all means you do it. But at the end of the day, you also have to recognize by me talking about John Morant, in the name of the organization, if I say the one wrong thing, then I'm going to be just like Ja out of a job for at least a couple games. So like, it, it's a lot of pressure there on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. I can understand. Tomorrow, you got anything else to add? Um, I mean, I, I think with what was said, it gave me another like perspective because I think that uh, the last time, uh, the last topic that we talked about, I think it was um, talking about black men yes. uh, and their responsibility, uh, not only to their themselves, their families, but also to the community, mm-hmm. right? Um, does this, and I, and I think it does, it does flow into that, you know, category of, well, yeah, you're also here to play ball and everything like that, and you're here to look out for you and your family, but then we also need you to stand up in the community as well mm-hmm. you, you see what i'm saying it's one of the things where yeah i got my house clean i got my yard clean but i'm also participating with everybody else and sweeping the streets as well mm-hmm. you see what i'm saying because we're a community right. um and so i think if you if you add that factor into it that you know every man every woman should not only be individualistic but also uh focus on community as well, then yeah, I, I think that um, something needs to be done. You know, what I'm saying to you know help our athletes. I, I agree. Um, a, a question that it came to me, and I I didn't write it down, but it has me reflecting. It has me thinking now. And we we talked about it a little bit, but it's like, how should we get? these athletes and stuff ready to speak or like what what would that preparation look like because i i look at you know even though she's not black i look at people like megan rapino and kelsey plume um two w um well one's a w kelsey plume's a WNBA player megan rapino's a soccer player and they always are advocating for equal pay equal pay equal pay but they're not and this is no disrespect. This is just the facts. They're not looking at the business side of it, that you don't make any money. So therefore, you can't get more pay. And then I think about, of course, dumbass Steven Jackson, when Shikari Richardson couldn't couldn't compete in the Olympics. And he basically was telling every black person like from America and other black countries to boycott the Olympics, not knowing like, yo, black people in the Caribbean, Africa and like England, no, not England, but like Europe they oftentimes don't give a shit about what's going on here in the United States. They, they really don't because they have a lot more pride for their countries and they, 
focus on solely their country. So it's it's things like that. But I'll reiterate the question again. It's like, well, what what could be done? That's tough. Um, I think that it will be a really intense process in general. Um, because I think it goes back to some of the things that we've hit on already. Um, we can give you all the tools, we can give you all the resources, we can give you the scripts, but all it takes is for that one question you weren't prepared for to throw your ass off, excuse my language. Um, but I, I, I think that things like that just make it really hard for athletes to do their job because you're always going to come in contact with the one commentator or, or the one journalist who really knocks you off your wagon. And it's like, I, I don't know how to respond to that. I can't answer that question. You know what I'm saying? So like, and maybe, and maybe that is, maybe that's the response. It's, it's I, I'm, you know, maybe it's one of those situations where you address it and say, look, that that's not really my cup of tea. I'm just here to play the sport that I'm here to play, to talk to the team organization or talk, you know, to the PR team to get the answers that you want. Um, But I, I don't know, Tamaj, you got any points on that one? Um, I, I think yours is good uh, good for me, brother. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, cause it, it's, it's not really, like you said, much that we could do um, because, like you said, you can be sideballed. I mean, you know, giving give a curveball at any moment, um, you know, because nobody can be prepared for every question. That's going to be uh, asking. I mean, even I mean, not even just athletes, even political candidates are never ready for every question that's going to be asked to them about how they're going to run the country, how they're going to do this, how they're going to do that. You see, and what it I'm takes saying? hours, days, right. to prep those individuals. Yeah, right. And and it's one of those things where, you know, if we're going to treat them like that, then that's taking hours away from basketball. It's kind of like, okay, brother. You know, I. Let's yeah. look at these questions, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. just you know, and, I'm, and if, if if I'm you know that athlete, I'm like, yo, look, you man, look. I'm just gonna tell him, look. I don't know. I don't want to know. I just want to play ball. And, you know, and, what I'm saying, and, that, and that's fair. It's like I proposed that question one out of genuine curiosity, but I also remember hearing a former athlete talk about this subject. And he was a former NBA player. And he was like, people don't realize how much time NBA players actually have to themselves. Like if you have a game, um, what's today? Today's Thursday. If you have a game Saturday, you're going to practice Thursday at the most two hours. Then the other part of your day, you will spend another two hours at the facility. But that's working out, um, looking at film probably talking to the trainer, but at the most you're going to spend four hours just there. So now you have a whole nother 20. And now with that 20, he's like, okay, during that 20, he said, this was me today. I would want, give me three hours of, or it's four to match what I did off the court uh, on the court, off the court and understand that, no, I can't answer every question, but okay, this is how I can answer it, but respectfully decline answering it. Okay. This is how I can be prepared for this. This is how I can prepare, prepare for that reporter. Who's just picking at me. This is how I can, I prepare for the reporter who doesn't phrase the question correctly. And this is just him. He was like, I would rather do that. So that way, one, I don't feel like my day is wasted as well as it's, especially if I am like a John Morant 
um, a LeBron James, like a face of a team, a face of a franchise and the face of the league that I'm a little bit more prepared than what I was. And then now I have, let me do the math. Now I have 16 more hours for the rest of the day. I can do what the hell I want now because I didn't got the work in both on and off the court. And it also go ties into what Tamaj and Aaron also saying of putting back into your community, doing those things, educating yourself. So that was just someone else's perspective that I wanted to bring up. <laughs> Any more questions related to that before we move on? Well, all right, let's keep rocking. So can y'all hear me? We good? Yeah, I can hear you. Sure, we stay all right. All right. My next question is, should sports and politics stay separate? I feel like that sounds like a separation church and state question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does. It kind of does. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that in, in what way? Um. Hmm. And we're talking about just speaking out about it. Um, can an athlete also run for a, a public office? Or like, what do you mean keep it separate? You oh. know, kind of thing. Oh, that's that's what I mean. Is like uh, I designed this question so we could go anywhere with it. Like, should okay. Okay. like like let's say like okay, you played pro football for eleven years. Um, four years after that you can get into politics or we can do the vice versa of like, no, like you can, you can be a member of the NAACP and still be the star point guard for the Lakers. Like th things like that. Like, so oh. I, yeah, I designed the question for it to go anywhere for just you. So we won't be boxed in with it. Okay. But in, in that case, yeah. I mean, I think, no, I'm actually, no, it mm -hmm. shouldn't be separate. I, right. I think that it can go hand in hand. Um, and I feel as if for, uh, an athlete that wants to step into that uh, political arena, then, you know, I would expect him to have, you know, the knowledge and the whereabout of, you know, and the experience or not even, yeah, experience to go into it, you know what I'm saying, to develop that. Um, and so I don't think that it takes away from them or necessarily adds anything to them. I mean, because you can tell me, yeah, man, I'm running for governor, you know, I used to play for the league because I am. <laughs> what you want to do me? <laughs> so um yeah, I don't feel like it, yeah, it add anything, it doesn't take anything away, uh, in my opinion. So yeah, I don't I don't, I don't see no problem with that at all. Yeah, at all. Now I it's, it to me it all depends on the choice though. Now I'm not saying, you know, merge them together to where, oh yeah whether you playing ball or whether you're in politics or you, you got, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Whatever, whatever. You have to talk about politics or you got to talk about sports. You see what I'm saying? Nah, I don't think you should merge them and force them <laughs> to get into that arena. You see what I'm saying? Uh, like you said, like, for no, you got to take this mic. You know what I'm saying? Kind of thing. But if they want to, then of course. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, I think just to kind of go off of what, you know, Tamaj was saying, I think that you know, we can't force individuals to do anything, right? So, but I, I think that as we're looking at athletes who transition into the political realm, I think it really does depend on their agenda. I'm sorry, Herschel Walker. I don't know why you got or how you got to where you went. Um, I mean, you, you was great. 
you you was great on the football field at Georgia. You was great on the football field for the teams you played for. But in the political arena, I think that you should step down, sir. Um, and and I and and I, I use Herschel as an example because it's recent. You know, just within this last midterm elections, he was you know trying to push push through Trump's agenda, um, in which I, I, I'm not really big on talking about my personal political beliefs, but mm-hmm. there's certain things I just don't side with, and it was a lot of the things he was chatting about. I was like, I don't think that's great for Georgia. Um, or I don't think that's great in general. So I think that it really just depends on what your purpose is. Why are you doing this? What are you trying to push forth? Um, and then I think it goes back to the political question of, you know, in fact, what is your agenda? Um, but to kind of merge the two areas together, I don't think it, it, it's, it, it can go in, in any direction because I, I think that there is, there's positives to it, but at the same time, there's negatives. And I think one of the negatives is it takes away from the game. Uh, we get distracted from what's happening in the sport. But then when you look at situations, and I'm looking at Colin Kaepernick right now, who we're trying to push through the Black Lives Matter um, uh, narrative and, you know, talking about police brutality in America and how it's at, you know, an insane rise um, and his and his voice is being silenced. You know what I'm saying? Like I think that that was unfair, um, and that this man is just voicing his First Amendment rights of what he believes in. Um, so in a way, I don't know. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that I, I'm. I feel like I'm diverting from the original question. Can can uh, can you repeat the question, Aaron? I'm sorry. Oh, the question was: um, Should sports and politics be separate? I got you. I got you. Um, yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, oh, well, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent. It, it, it can go in any, any set direction. And I understand that. Um, it's tough because I know Tamaja said how they can go hand in hand, how they can definitely be beneficial and how they can help and i also do see the other side too like where this can be a problem like my 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 opinion is i'm torn in the middle too um but i also am one for yeah you do have the right to go and have that conversation in that interview about what's going on in the world today i think you do but it's like we when you give certain people an instant they take a mile and that doesn't apply to everybody but it does apply to those who do and it's like when you have, like, I'm going to keep using them as an example, like Steven Jackson, he's always voicing advocacy for black coaches um, in the NFL and in the NBA. And that's perfectly fine. You can definitely advocate for people to, um, to consider hiring black coaches. But I know me personally, I'll have the rebuttal is what does their race have to do with getting the job done? That that's just who I am as a person. Like I don't give a shit if you black, Hispanic, white, Asian. Can you coach the team to victory? Can you coach them to success? Can you cultivate a culture of winning as well as building young men and you know other cases building women? Like that. That's how I see it, and I think that we get like I think that in those instances it's too hung up on one thing and not looking at everything objectively. Uh, but then I see the other side of it. It's like you know applying that pressure. Like hey. Um, you have slighted certain people 
um, or demographics of a chance to advocate for something that is near and dear to them. You may not like it, you may not agree with it, but they do deserve a chance to say something. So that's like my opinion. I'm genuinely like split down the middle because if I could give a definite answer, I would say no, but we just got to be careful. Yeah, and I think we also have to pinpoint specific scenarios, maybe even specific athletes and kind of kind of talk about, I guess, their experiences as a whole. Um, and we often reflect on kind of what's happening in the now, but we never really or we don't talk about the past enough. I mean, we have athletes like Muhammad Ali, right? Um, but even before Muhammad Ali, there was Jackie Robinson. You know what I'm saying? It, it was Jesse Owens. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though these folks weren't at some point in time in their career, they began to voice or utilize their voice and their structure. But I think that, you know, at a time like Jackie Robinson, for example, who played for the Brooklyn Dodgers and, mm -hmm. you know, experienced crazy amount of racism um, when he joined the organization. I mean, to the point where the team didn't even want to ride in the same bus or they didn't want to share the same dugout with this man just because of the color of his skin. And I think that one of the things that he did effectively was utilize his platform at the mound, hitting them home runs, stealing all those bases and showing that like, yeah, you, you might hate me, but at the, but at the end of this day, when we win this championship or when we win this game, because of this home run, because of this home run, I just hit you, you're, you're still going to cheer for me. You're going to cheer for this team. So I think that, if you look at it in terms of merging political issues and sports that way, then absolutely. I think that that's perfectly fine. Um, but to force the agenda, that's kind of where it gets a little bit tough because it goes back to one of the things we we're talking about before who got the microphone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got you. Tomorrow, you want to add anything? Um, yeah. And I, and I think, yeah. The only thing I can add to that is that, yeah. Um, it's one of those things where if we're saying, yes, it should be uh, some kind of, I guess, correlation between sports and, and, and politics, um, then we got to handle what comes with that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Too, like back to responsibility, because the same athlete that can, you know, get out to the front of a, a Black Lives Matter protest and march and say, you know, Black Lives Matter, and he's using his status to promote that movement, we can also see an athlete, you know, saying standing on the other side with the police saying blue lives matter um, and promoting that agenda. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things where are we, you know, going to say, yeah, we're going to allow it because it helps us mm -hmm. or are we just saying yes in general because it's freedom of speech? You know, and I, I think that's actually a, a perfect, honest question, because like I, I brought up earlier, I said I have yet to see a black um, athlete, football, basketball, baseball, whatever, who voice something that isn't typically liberal, um, has a little bit more conservative viewpoints. And the only time I did um, was an NBA player named Jonathan Isaac. He plays for the Orlando Magic in the NBA, and he didn't want to kneel for the national anthem. And his response, when he made his response, and his response was, I just see, I just don't see the point of kneeling. I think that there's more actual work to be done 
He got called Uncle Tom. He got called, you know, a trash Republican. He got called all these things. And it's like, whoa, like he actually said something that kind of makes sense. What is only kneeling going to do? Like we need to actually put policies in place. We need to actually be in these rooms because a lot of black people want to be millionaires, but I don't hear a lot of black people want to be politicians, judges, um, congressmen, and be in those positions to effectively make change as more than just drilling the basketball. Like, but when he says that he's an Uncle Tom, he's a coon, and he ironically got hurt, I think the game after that, and people was like, that's like black people, it's just that's what you get, that's what you get. So it comes with not just that responsibility to mine, was also talking about, it's also coming with that crucifixion, in my opinion, that that outcast and that that vitriol and that hate from even your own people. Oh, nobody had nothing to say? Nobody had nothing to follow up with? That's oh, no, you went mute. <laughs> oh. oh. Can you hear me now? Did y'all hear everything I said? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Making sure we good. Okay, so it's ironic that Aaron brought that up because little side note, one, I want you all to still go check out Chalet Clothing. Love my sponsor. Definitely go check them out. I need to cop some new gear myself. That's C-H-A-L-E Chalet clothing hit them up look them up on instagram at charlie clothing same thing for facebook or their website um but it's interesting you brought that up about jackie robinson and jesse owens because um little history fact the dude that got second place to jackie oh uh, jesse owens is jackie robinson's brother um i did not know that and the I reason no idea. yes that is his brother and the reason he got second place uh was because his shoes was busted and he had them since high school because it's this isn't a lot of history known. Um, his brother's actually faster than Jesse Owens. Um, I found that out the other day, which is crazy. Um, but it transitions well into my next question: Was were the athletes, were the black athletes of old better advocates than the black athletes today? Ooh. Ah, that's tough. I gotta say yes. I gotta say yes, and I tell you why, man. I think that. It's, uh, the, I don't know, man. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. But I feel like athletes of the past, and when I say past, I'm looking at, you know, like civil rights era, right? Um, I feel like just within that. Um, just, just I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm saying, yes, correct. Like the civil rights era. Oh, perfect. Yep. So I, I, I think that those athletes probably were definitely carrying a bigger load on their shoulders than we are today. Because these athletes were fighting through oppression. Like, I'm I'm talking about, like, true, true oppression. Not to say we don't have oppression today, but they was facing oppression that was directly in your face saying, I hate you because you are this. And not to say we don't have that in society today. Those folks still do exist, but everybody wear a mask. Back then, you knew exactly who hated you, and you still had to compete with that person or against that person. So I think that those athletes and the past America just faced so much more turmoil and really faced so many more uphill battles just to get us to where we are today. And it's unfortunate that we have to fight the same fight that we're fighting in 2023 that we were fighting back in 1963 and um, 1943. It, mm -hmm. it, it's a little bit better, but at the same time, I just feel like it's a different, it's different problems now. Um, but back then, I mean, you're looking at, like I said before, these folks are just, 
I mean, I've said my point. I, I feel like I'm a broken record right now. But <laughs> no, you're good. It's yeah. I, I I just think that the past athletes have 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 just had to fight an uphill battle um, to get us to where we are today, and of course, pushing through legislation um, to get integrate like integration within the school system, within um, athletics. I mean, you're looking at football organizations like the Washington Commanders at the time, Redskins. They didn't become a fully integrated team until like after the sixties or within the sixties, which is crazy to think about. Um, but that's, that's the type of fight they were fighting. And mm -hmm. it's one of the things that we're seeing now. I mean, we all see what's happening in the media, police brutality, economical issues. Um, we're looking at um, inequalities within certain areas that these athletes today are fighting for, present day Americans, but I just feel like it was so much harder for folks like Muhammad Ali, Jackie Robinson, Jesse Owens, Satchel Paige, Hank Aaron, um, because we can fight now. Back then, if you fought then, you was going to die, literally. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of my opinion on that one. I got you. Um, go ahead, Tomasa. Uh, Of course. Um, and I think that, to be fair, right? it, it was a different generation with uh, different social issues. Um, you know what I'm saying? It was just a different time. And so it is one of those things where um, for me, I can't really compare them to now because it, it was a whole different time period. You see what I'm saying? Um, and so it's one of those things where, yeah, of course you can say, of course, of course you're going to say that. You know, of course we can say that. You see what I'm saying? Um, but I think that, you know, I do feel, do still feel that the athletes of today still have an incredible amount of pressure, you know, even dealing with our, you know what I'm saying, social issues or political issues of today, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to, um, to really measure it because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't there back then, you know, I didn't experience Jim Crow, I didn't experience none of this. You see what I'm saying? So I really can't compare what I experienced today to that, mm -hmm. you know, um, or really say, oh, yeah, I would have made it through because I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> right. <you> know? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so, but but I think that even today, we still have battles uh, to fight. You know, we still have issues to resolve. Um, and it's one of those things where uh, but yeah, I want to, yeah, like I said, I want to repeat myself. But yes, I do feel like, yeah, but then again, I really can't compare it. You know what I'm saying? Can't say, well, yeah, y'all suck. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Can't really say all that, you know. And I can understand that from your perspective. For me, I'm more so, I would definitely say yes, not just for the different fight that was at hand. I'm also looking at today's athletes, like the lowest contract that, anybody can get in the NBA is around $860,000. That's way more, like you're almost at a million dollars. That's more than what the highest paid player was getting in the 1960s, 1970s, and some, and at least the early 80s. So when I see those advocates like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 
who caught hell for changing his name from Lou Alcindor um, to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he um, found Islam, to Muhammad Ali, to Bill Russell, who um, is the winningest Black player in NBA history as well, was the first Black coach and the first Black coach in NBA history to win a championship, then I see all the other people around him. It was a different fight because it was the fight of equality is different now to an extent. It's my point is that you got LeBron James now, who's a billionaire. You got all these other athletes who are millionaires, who have the ability to donate resources for these chains, who have the ability to build something and they don't have to go and donate. They don't have to go on campaign. They can just do it. Like LeBron, he just built a school, not literally, but he saw fit that it was needed. So he did it. They, these athletes can do that now. Like back then it was a little bit harder um, you know, we can say the economy, how much athletes were making, and that is factors that definitely go into it. However, I do think that, in my opinion, back then when they were having these fights, having these conversations, going out here, um, campaigning for equality, stopping police brutality, racial injustice, is that when they were doing it, to me, it felt more like the backing behind them as well as their mindset was like, no, this is bullshit. We're going to make change. I can't say that about every athlete now, just because like one of the biggest things that I think it was Samaza mentioned it. Um, I could be wrong. It could be Aaron, but it was social media. It's like, now we have to question, are you doing this for the likes or are you doing this because it's actually racially like BS? Because one athlete I personally have this question about, he's a former athlete. He's, he's an analyst now is Emmanuel Acho. Uh, former linebacker in the NFL, he played at the, uh, I think the University of Texas, but he played in Texas, he played college football. I am i don't know if he's actually here to help the black community or is he here to get a paycheck? He's one of those athletes I personally feel that way about versus somebody like in the NBA, uh, his name is Jalen Brown. Um, he plays for the Boston Celtics. I can tell that he's genuinely here for this change. Like he's genuinely here to help black people like he became the president of the nba players association he has conversations with congressmen he goes and has these meetings he goes and donates money he actually goes and out and put the work in not saying that athletes some athletes today don't do that because some definitely do but i think in my opinion it was a little bit more spearheaded for the betterment of everybody back then versus now i think we got to kind of question some people's motives not everybody though not everybody Anything to add to that? Oh, go ahead. I don't, I don't have anything to add to that, but I, I did have a question to pose, but I can wait until we finish the segment. Oh, no, you go ahead. Go ahead and ask it. All right. So for you guys, who do you think is the most influential African-American athlete who changed sports forever? Mm. I, I got two people in mind. This is why these questions be getting me because it's like, damn, I can pick this person and that person. Uh, Tamaza, you still, oh, you, you feel the same way, Tamaza? Yeah, because I'm thinking, oh, man. <laughs> uh, it's so many. It's so it's, many. It's, it's, people listening, you don't want to be like, want to say the wrong name? They're all, nah, he wrong, he wrong. <laughs> you know, he won't even play. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I will say this. But, my, my mind is in these two individuals one is personable and the other is not but i respect it the personal for me is muhammad ali because muhammad ali is always the person where i'm not gonna i'm not just going to tell you i'm also going to show you 
I'm also going to put my money where my mouth is. And if you can beat me, not in just a ring, but you can beat me in this conversation, if you can beat me in the realm of bettering my people, that'll mean I'm still not going to come for you. Like, I'm everyone knows who listens, I'm a big anime fan. He's like a super saiyan. And saiyans, <laughs> their race is predicated on being better. Their whole, the whole saiyan race is... I'm going to be better. Not I want to be, not I'm going to try. I'm going to be. So I think that that mentality and how he carried it was very pivotal. Um, um, it reminds me of a quote he, he said when he was um, being interviewed because he just won a heavyweight title. Someone interrupted him from talking to the kitchen staff and they said, hey, Muhammad, we got some important people out here. He said, hey, we also got some important people in here. So give me a minute. And I think that that speaks volume to his character. But the other person I would also say would be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay, okay. Tomorrow. I'm, I'm sticking with Muhammad Ali, though. <laughs> That's a good pick. Um, for me, I think those two are good. Muhammad Ali's good. Uh, the other guy, I don't know. But I would say Deion Sanders. That's uh, a good. That is a good pick, Tamaz. That's a, that good, is pick. a good pick. Let's talk about. Let's talk about Dion. Dion, because you know he got LeBron. He doing, you know. But I think Dion Sanders, uh, since leaving the NFL and everything, what he's doing now, um, is incredible, uh, for the athletic world, um, and how he's, uh teaching uh the athletes to come how he's training a new generation and how he's also speaking against um critics and the whole system of you know that that you know the athletic system you know uh but yeah Deion Sanders for sure um but I'll just I'll leave him right there I, I got another pick but I think that's that's gonna be a good one Deion Sanders right there I think that that's an excellent pick and that was an excellent question Aaron because let let, let let's talk about Deion let, let's talk about Coach Prime. He is actually making change, and I am honestly bothered that people are angry about it. Because, like, there's nowhere where he said, God sent me here for the next 20 years. Because I was watching an interview, and someone said that, well, when you use God with Black people, they're going to take it to heart. But I, knowing a man of faith like Tamaja, when you get that call from God, you get that call from God and you move where he tell you it's time to move. He said recently in the interview, he said before he went to Jackson State, he was out eating with one of his assistant coaches on the staff. He stopped eating. He looked up. He said, it's time. And he made the phone call. He did the same thing um, right before he went to Colorado. But he's building young men. He's showing them how to prosper, not just in the realm of sports, but in the realm of being a man, being a good father, being a good leader. And he catches so much so much flack for that. And I'm genuinely, I understand why, because it's bullshit in my opinion. But I'm honestly baffled that he's literally an example of building a community, but you all are mad at him. Yeah, like I think... Coach Prime is very well within his right to decide how he wants to conduct business, where he wants to go. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you can have a very successful career coaching, coaching at historically black colleges and universities. I think what he did for Jackson State was amazing. Um, and it's something that you don't hear 
You know, honestly, you never hear about the top touted athlete coming out of high school, going to a historically black college. You always hear about those athletes going to the Bamas of the world or Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, you know, like some of the powerhouse schools in the country. And I think that it's it's very unfair to look at this man and say, oh, well, you said you was going to be here. Now you now you got to be here. No, I I have to. I have to impact every community I'm a part of. Like I, I served my purpose when I was at this institution. Look at the prestige. Look at the championships that you have now. Look at the um, the notoriety your program has. Will it probably go to shit within the next couple of years? Eh, probably. But look, look what I did for you in the moment. Now, I'm a head coach, coaching at a historically black college. And I just won a championship on an undefeated season with some of the best athletes in college football. I have the potential to do this at any Division One program in the country. Why do I have to limit myself to this one institution when I can branch out and go to um, the next institution? Because at the end of the day, I have to grow as well. I can't just let these institutions that I'm sitting at grow and I kind of stay stagnant. No, I need to make sure that I'm really that guy. Like I was him at Jackson State. I want to be him at Colorado. And when I'm him at Colorado and I get Travis Hunter through to the um, NFL and all these other players as well, I'm going to go to the next place. And I'm and and I'm going to take my guys with me wherever I go because when I eat they eat. So I think that his mentality is perfectly fine. Um and the fact that people are shunning him, I think it's the same people. Like, we all know who these people are, right? Uh, we, we don't have to address or call them out. But I think it's just so unfair to say that this man has to be, has to stay at one location and they can't grow as well. Like, that's just, that's just so unfair. So kudos to Coach Prime for um, – his success at Jackson State, and I wish him all the success at Colorado. They're gonna win a championship this year. It's gonna happen. Pac twelve. I think they're in the Pac twelve, right? Yes, Colorado, they are. Yes, they are. Yeah, Colorado's gonna be a top five team in the Pac twelve this year, hands down, hands down. Oh yeah, but um, please go to Miles before um I continue. Oh no, I think I I mean I said what I had to say, and then y'all chimed in perfectly. Um, right. That I mean. <laughs> To what you said and what uh, Brother Aaron said, right. I mean, um, and I think that people feel as if, um, I don't know, it, it's some sort of, I don't, I, I don't want to say um, entitlement or, you know, because he is a black <laughs> coach. You see what I'm saying? He's supposed to go to. Uh, another HBCU and then another HBCU. He's ours. You see what I'm saying? Kind of thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know. I don't know if it's entitlement or I don't know what, but that, that's the word that comes to mind. But yeah, no, um, I think you're right, man. I yeah, think you're right too. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Because, like, I, I think that when people knew that Prime was going to be at Jackson State, which is an HBCU, and he was pulling in all these top prospects to come to Jackson State to win more and more championships. I think in that community's mind, they were thinking to themselves, oh, we're about to beat Alabama. Oh, we're about to be in this national championship picture. You know what I'm saying? So I think that in a way for those folks who 
who may be a little butthurt about him going or leaving Jackson State, I think that there was just a little bit of feeling that maybe we can win a national championship. Maybe we can compete with schools that aren't like ourselves. Maybe, maybe we can do something. But at the end of the day, it's just like a player who decides, hey, I want to transfer. Are you going to shun that person for leaving an organization to go to another one? No, they're leveling up. I know, Aaron, you and I were talking about this on on a previous episode where we were talking about how college athletes tend to transfer from school to school. And Mm -hmm. we'd be using Longwood as the vessel for that, right? So Longwood is a a good place, right? It's a Division I school perfect for those athletes who maybe aren't getting that top 25 attention or mm-hmm. maybe maybe they just need a step up from juco or maybe they just need a solid foundation to get them to the next level and this is why we see students transfer out of programs like longwood to go to programs like i'm just going to think of a, a big team in the state of virginia schools like uh oh yeah or schools like jmu because they know that they're not getting scouts at Longwood, but they don't get scouts at JMU. They're going to get scouts at VCU. They're going to get scouts at Richmond. You know what I'm saying? So I think that it's just we have to remove or we have to think differently, I guess is the best way, when folks are making these transitions and recognizing that it's not that it, it's not that they don't care. It's that they're thinking about themselves. You have to be selfish in those moments because that's how you grow. Mm-hmm. That's how you change your dynamic. Yep. And I, and I I agree because it's people try to combat him. Like, well, you taking everybody with you. Well, you taking everybody with you. Like they, they got to eat too. They got to <laughs> eat too. Like they I haven't heard too. I haven't heard anybody say that. Like when Obama when his second term was done, dumb, dumb. My bad. When his second term was done. I didn't hear dumb people going, well, you taking everybody with you. You taking the congressman with you. You taking uh, the vice president with you. You taking the secretary of state with you. Like, no, like you didn't hear none of that. But it's like, this is my thing with the black community. It's like, we're so, some of us are just so vocal about the wrong things. And they were too busy mad that he was growing and he was moving that they weren't actually looking at what he did. He helped boost attention to the school. He got um, some of those facilities and some of those things changed on school, not even just for the football team, but for the school in general. He um, he accepted lower pay. He bought in a bunch of his own resources and his own people to benefit the school and to benefit the program. And then when his mission was complete and he leaves, now you want to throw a hissy fit? Come on now. Come on now. It's 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 idiotic. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's, it's, oh, go ahead, Aaron. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say it, it's just idiotic to me, but continue. No, I was I was just about to echo the exact same thing. I mean, you think about the the crap he had to go through when he was at Jackson State. Actually, we talking about Coach Prime. Let's talk about um hey what's his name the safety that played for uh let, let, let's let, oh Ed Reed. Uh, Ed Reed at uh Bethune Cookman College yep who you know what I'm saying like you talk about lack of resources and a school system that just isn't really this isn't pumping money into their community to make it better it's embarrassing you know what I'm saying why would I want to coach or continue to fix problems that don't necessarily correlate with my job, but because my athletes are living in these spaces, 
now I have to have a voice. I have to put so much time and attention into making sure that my athletes are living in safe communities instead of focusing on the next team and prepping for that next team. It's I, I can understand the argument for these coaches and these athletes who want to leave these specific type of environments to then go off into that predominantly white institution that you know you're going to get scouted at because it's less bullshit you got to deal with. It, mm -hmm. It's, you know, less it's uh, it's probably a different type of issue you have to deal with, but at least you know you can go back to your room and not have to worry about mold being in the ceiling or water not being tainted. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just you're focusing on the reason why you went to that school in the first place or to play that sport in the first place, and that's to become a better athlete. Mm -hmm. I I agree. I agree. It's It's frustrating because just like, because I remember um, swinging it back in a politics direction. I remember one day Tamaja myself and another roommate of ours were having a conversation and Tamaja was trying to elaborate that everything can't be Democrat. It can't always be blue. It can't always be Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. The pendulum has to swing the other way. And I'm making that comparison to say, that's what it is. It's like you go and you push forward and you build for this one aspect, something is going to follow through that's the exact opposite way. And in daily situations, we try to use minute examples like while well, swinging back to sports, like with Coach Prime, people compare him like, well, how come Nick Saban can stay at Alabama? Why can't you do that? Well, I'm not Nick Saban. And I'm not at Alabama. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not at Alabama. And Alabama's already established. <laughs> so it's a big difference there. Exactly. And it's like, you look at, um, because Tamaja, correct me if I'm wrong, you can only run for governor in the state you live in, right? That you're a resident, right? Um, uh, yeah, I believe so. I mean, yeah, that makes more sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, I think each state has their own, you know, laws with that. Uh, um, but I know for Virginia, you got to be a resident for a certain amount of years. Right. Um, before you can run for governor, yeah. Okay, so let's say I'm a resident of Virginia and I try to run for governor and don't work, but then I transfer to another state. Let's say a state like, let's say New Hampshire. And I lived there for a certain years, I meet the requirements and I win there and I start making change and people are like, oh, you from Virginia. How come you ain't do shit for Virginia? Well, I had to go. <laughs> um, this is where I was led to and now I'm prospering. Who says what's next? I could be president. I could be a congressman. And the same thing with Coach Prime. It's like, oh, I could go from head coach. Maybe I can be the athletic director. Maybe I can have a seat on the board in the school. We don't know. But as long as where I'm going and things are growing in the right direction, shouldn't that be the point? Like, you all can correct me if I'm wrong. It is is the goal. Okay, so this is what we're getting into. Um, what is my responsibility right um is it to build and better the community i grew up in or can i leave and do it elsewhere you see what i'm saying do if i'm giving back do i have to give back to my community or do i or can i give back to a community in general of my choosing you, you see what i'm saying um and i think yeah most people look at well you're from richmond then you need to do it in Richmond, but you're right. I'm from Richmond. I tried to make attempts in Richmond and it didn't work out. But when I moved elsewhere and made these attempts, then it did. And then another thing, if 
I'm in the process of, because it's very difficult, you know, to do anything from the ground up. You see what I'm saying? Um, and so if I'm, you know, speaking on athlete, if I'm an athlete mm-hmm. out of, you know what I'm saying, I guess like Richmond or whatever, um, and I'm trying to, you know, make my debut, you know, I'm trying to make it there. You see what I'm saying? Am I going to go to, and, you know, my choices are lined up. Here it is, college day. I'm about to pick the college I'm going to. And there's Union. There's Virginia State. There's UVA. And then there's, you know, uh, VCU. You know, and I'm playing ball, playing basketball. You see what I'm saying? If I'm looking at the best interest for me, I'm going either VCU or UVA. Right. You see what I'm saying? But if I'm thinking about uh, the community or the program or whatever, the, you know, what uh, some other stuff, then I may decide Union or Virginia State, knowing that if I go to Union, you see what I'm saying, you know, that's a private institution. My tuition going to be through the roof. They ain't really mm-hmm. got the, the eat like that. You see what I'm saying? And, you know, they, they ain't really giving me the scholarship like that. But right. I'm going to go there anyway because... I'm trying to better their program. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I don't think that it's the individual's responsibility. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. To choose, you know what I'm saying? Like the, I want to say the, I mean, but the lesser over the greater, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, those who do, God bless them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Those who do, those who say, yeah, I can take this little bit and make it much, go ahead. Mm-hmm. wonderful but that's yeah. not the viewpoint of everybody and i agree you know? and I, I agree and it's like that that ties me to like the last question because i think that what you said is a good transition as well as it's encompasses what we're talking about whether if it's political or understanding someone doing something like Deion sanders or ed reed and my final question is do black people know how to follow somebody when it comes to stuff like this no, I agree. We we don't know how to follow. We want to lead. Yeah, uh, we don't want to start at the bottom of the ladder and climb up to the top. We want to start at the top of the ladder. Um, and this has been a, a problem for quite some time. Um, we do not know how to just follow. Um, and I think part of that is, um. I mean, you. I mean, a lot can be attributed to this, but I think that if we are going to um, resolve some issues, if we are going to move forward, we're going to have to learn how to follow, how to uh, receive instead of trying to uh, dictate and take control of situations and not knowing nothing about it. Um, but yeah we do have a hard time following. Yeah, that's a problem yeah. for us. Yeah, I agree with Tamaja as well. I think that we in the Black community have a tendency to want to voice our opinion, but I think it goes back to one of the things that I, I that I mentioned before. We talk a big game, but sometimes not everybody really knows what steps to take to actually make effective change. And I think that one of the things I noticed as an undergrad student was 
at the time there were a lot of vocal leaders, but nobody was mm -hmm. willing to do the work to get things done. Um, there were a few, and I can name them out by name. I'm not gonna call them out on the podcast. There were a few, but at the end of the day, the vast majority were just so focused on focusing on vocalizing how they felt about something, but nobody ever wanted to listen to what everybody else wanted to say, <laughs> excuse me. But at the end of the day, there were some commonalities that I think that if we would have just sat down and truly worked it out and just humbled ourselves and recognized that it's okay to follow because if we had a world full of, if we, we had a world full of leaders, we, we'd be at war every day. <laughs> yep. Yeah, what every single day. So I, I think that it's perfectly fine to um, hone in to your followership ability because not everybody's a leader. We all possess the qualities, but at the end of the day, not everybody is fit to be a leader. And we see it in every single day. You see it in your work situation. You see it um, in different organizations. You have these people who are so-called leaders. Nah, bro, you, you're not a leader. You, you just a supervisor. And that's so hard to hear, right? But at the end mm -hmm. of the day, not everybody can be a leader. And I think that that's something that we see within our community, respectively, um, that can be a problem. And in my honest opinion, it can be a detriment to any narrative you're trying to push forward. And to with that leaderboard, and of course, still tie in the aspect of sports and politics, um, a lot of people, when, when this leader conversation comes like in sports, People look at people like um like a LeBron James, like we're going to, I guess he's one of the athletes of the day, but they look to him as a leader, not just in the community, but of his team. Uh, somebody like Tom Brady, they look to him as a leader. Uh, traditionally, in the NFL, the quarterback is, quote unquote, the leader. But I agree, like, not all the time you are a leader. Like, personally, like, to sports again, when the Brooklyn Nets had James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, and they were talking about who's the leader of the team. I said, nobody, because James Harden there to hoop, KD there to hoop. And people want to say, oh, well, he lead by example. Not necessarily. Like, he's the cool guy in school. Like, he's the cool guy in school everybody like who's good at basketball. That's it. He's not really a leader. You just think he is. And um, with the same thing with Kyrie, Kyrie's just a vocal motherfucker. That don't mean you the leader. That, and in my opinion, that don't mean you the leader because he has what is referred to as like the um the great man concept or the um the great man theory of like people just see you in this light to lead, but that's not always true. But still tying it to everything together, I, I agree with you all. I think that black people um, do have a hard time knowing who to follow because, like Tomasa said, and like Aaron said, everybody wants to be the leader, everybody wants to be top dog. Everybody wants to make the final decision, how to final say. Because it's like, Aaron, you're a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. I highly, I highly doubt that A. Lisa Taylor was going at it with Charles Brown about who the fuck is the president. Like, if that is like, if, if that's true, you can tell me. But I highly doubt that they was beefing for decades about, man, I should have been president. No, nah, motherfucker, I should have been president. <laughs> I highly no, doubt. No, no, bro. I don't know. I don't know. Black say, people can be petty sometimes. So that's true. Might have been. Might have been. That that that's missed the history lesson though. You may have. You may have. <laughs> but it's just like I'm saying that to say that look what they did. Look, like how long has your organization been around? 112 years? Uh yeah. Yeah, since 1914. It, it, like I'm saying, like you've been around a long time because people had to make decisions and people had to listen. 
same same thing like with um like with Tamaja. He is retaining people in his following. 109 years. I mean to cut you off. Oh no, you're fine. Thank you for correcting me. 109 years. Like Tamaja, he he has a following as a minister because he's he's the shepherd. He's guiding them. Because you know, we all know what happened to sheep that don't listen. They ran away, they get eaten. But he they listen to him and they follow him. You know, I hope I'm using that correctly, Tamaja. If I'm not, my apologies. Um oh, no, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay. Can I make a statement for of a course. second? Of I course. think one of the one of the most important qualities, well, there are a few, and I think that they're all important. One of which is that a leader listens. They listen. Number two, a leader is willing to make sacrifices. And I think that if you're willing to do those two things, I think that can change the entire dynamic of your entire organization, your team, whatever you're a part of. If you're a good listener, if you're and, 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 and if you're willing to take a sacrifice along the way, makes the biggest difference in the world. I'm gonna give you an example, and the individual is not a black individual, but Tom Brady. Tom Brady is one of the greatest quarterbacks. It, not one, he probably is the greatest quarterback, probably one of the greatest players in NFL history solely because he knew in order to formulate a solid team, he couldn't have a mega contract. If you want to pull in talent, what do you got to do? You got to make yourself available or resources available, excuse me, in order to pull in top talent. That was why they were able to pull in all of these spectacular players like Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, Randy Moss, um, Wes Welker. I mean, you look at him going to Tampa, you know what I'm saying? Like um, it, it's, it, it's, it makes a big difference in the world to take a step back and say, you know what, if, if, if this organization is going to win, I need, well, if this, if this organization is going to win and I'm going to be great, I need to surround myself with players who are better than me. And if you can get to that focal point and get yourself in a room that's surrounded with individuals who are smarter than you, and you're willing to openly say, you know what, all of y'all are great, then we can make some things shape. But it, but and but up until that point, bro, if we got a room full of leaders, nothing is going, nothing is going to be accomplished. Somebody has to listen. Somebody's somebody's going to have to take sacrifices along the way to really push push through some of the initiatives in order to hit the main objective. Um, and if you want to take it back to the black athlete, look at Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. In my honest opinion, better than Michael Jordan. In my honest opinion, probably better than LeBron James. He might not have the stats to match them, but look oh, at, I think he, oh, he but look at the legacy. LeBron. Yeah, oh, hands down. Like, look at the legacy. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about one of the questions I asked you guys was, you know, who was one of the most influential? And Kobe is up there. I mean, for me, I, I probably have to say Jackie Robinson, either Muhammad Ali. But when you look at Kobe Bryant and what he did to the game of basketball, what he did to the Los Angeles Lakers organization, what Kobe had, what, five, six rings? Five. Five? Five. And uh, he's five exactly. A decorated career. He was he was one of the he was one of those individuals. Where if you messed up in a game, he, he was going to tell you, Aaron, you fucked up. <laughs> yeah. You messed up. Tamaja, you messed up. You know what I'm saying? You got to fix that. Um, you know, he 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 wasn't one of those individuals that kind of just kind of lax around and just kind of, yeah, that was messed up. We'll get it next time. Nah, bro, you better fix that shit right now or your ass ain't playing. Um, 
And, and I think it takes that mentality sometime in order to get what you want. And I think that when we look at our community or the black community, um, it's important to emphasize that if you don't have that mentality, maybe you should be, maybe you shouldn't be at the podium. Maybe you should be in the audience listening and following. Not everybody can be a leader, but we can all be a follower. Mm-hmm. Damn, I'm and that's, that's true. I think, you know, when you talk about like, you know, using uh, basketball friends that but I need my starting back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't need one person doing all the rebounding, stealing and shooting and dunking. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I need everybody to play their role. Exactly. You see? Uh, and I think that's, uh, you know, speaking towards the black community, everybody needs to play their role. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody can't be the doctor. Some people got to have some nurses. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Everybody can't be, you know what I'm saying, the president. Somebody got to be vice president, secretary of state. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's not, and that's the thing. We, we, if it's not number one, we don't want it. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And it's one of those things where sometimes it's not about one, two, or three, you know, sometimes it's about the collective. I agree. You see what I'm saying? And just to Mm -hmm. kind of get back off of that, I think that if you look at that one, two, three model, oftentimes two and three are the ones that are making the biggest impact. Number one is just the one that's voicing it out. So I think that once again, going, going back to what I was mentioning before, you know, you don't have to be a leader to leave an impact. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I take my career, for example, um, I work in the college admissions office along with a half of the last six years, and it's been really good to me um, up until the... Oh, Aaron, you still there? No, Tomasi, can you hear me? First three years of working in the office, and I thought I was just doing the grunt work. I'm saying, whereas my supervisor was was telling me what to do, I was the one that was doing it. You know what I'm saying? So it's and and that got me to a leadership role. So now I'm the one dictating what happens in our office, or one of the ones that dictate what happened in our office. So it's important to take those steps, those steps back sometimes, and really humble yourself and recognize that if you are a two or if you are three, hell, if you are ten, you can eventually get to a one, but you still got to do the grunt work of what a 10 has to do at some point in time in order to be successful. That's what makes an organization successful is that when you're willing to get down in the trenches and get your hands dirty and make, and make some things shake, that's when you see results, especially when everybody is playing their role within the process. If you can play your role within the process and work towards the main objective, then you will be successful every single time. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree completely. But any final thoughts? This has been a good episode, and I genuinely appreciate you all's time tonight. Hello? Hello? Shoot, I hope I'm not muted. Hello? Uh, your mental health. Stay black and stay you blessed. Know. Stay beautiful. Um, but yeah, be blessed, y'all. Oh, okay. Well, shoot, I think my Wi-Fi was after because I like cut out. But thank, thank you all. Um, can everybody hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, I can. Okay. Thank you all so much for your kind words, your time. Please go check out my sponsor, Charlie Clothing. Continue to listen to Woke. This has been Aaron. Sorry for a little bit of interference tonight, but don't let that stop you from listening to this episode again and again and again. I've been your boy. He's been my guest, and we are out. Have a good night. Mm-hmm.